Welcome to the sixth episode of the AACF podcast known as Awakened. I'm Daniel. I'm Doug. And we are your hosts. Throughout the next few weeks, we are going to be introducing you to different members of our community so that you can get to know your fellow AACFers. And today we're joined by Thomas Chen. He was the youth pastor for the Chinese Church of Christ and pastor for the Breakaway Christian Fellowship before he decided by faith to move up to Seattle and become our very own AACF staffer. You can catch him at a small group on Zoom every Friday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to the podcast, Thomas. Hey, thanks, guys. Awesome to be on here. Appreciate it. How are you? How's quarantine, man? Quarantine's been uh, been been okay. I mean, all things considered, uh, we are we're we're surviving and, and somewhat thriving. So, uh, yeah, in the midst of all this, I think we're still very blessed with what we have. Um, we miss you guys, though. You know, like it, it's it's weird being closest to campus while you guys are all far away, not far away, but further. Um, but it's been good to be able to catch up on Zoom and see each other. So that's that's been an exciting thing for me. Yeah. How are you guys? <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys look like you're alive, which is good. Yeah, I think quarantine's been all right. It has pros and cons. For once, um, even with all the pre-recorded lectures and just having to do everything digitally, I think it has really weighed my eyes down because every day I'm constantly looking at a screen for seven, eight hours a day. And it's really hard to find a time where I could just do things that I enjoy without looking at a screen. And so that's been a pretty big problem. And I think that has allowed me to understand and value the importance of just going outside and seeing people and just physical activity in general. And so that's the con about it. And I think the pro is that it has allowed me to use the time and space to try new things like this podcast. And I think it's great that it's given, this has given me the opportunity to just explore what I can do and maybe sharpen skills that I haven't been able to have the time to do. And I think with this time and space, we're given this opportunity to experiment. And with experimentation means, hey, if it doesn't go as it's planned, then it's fine. Because at the end, we tried and we took on the challenge of trying to create something. And that's what I've been enjoying about this. I love it. I love that you guys are willing to try new things. And especially right now, I think the podcast comes at a good time too. Uh, it, it gives us something to look forward to, you know, just listen and hear how different, you know, students are doing. So the ones I've, I've heard so far, it's been great. Cause I was like, I think every one of them, I've learned something new about somebody. Yeah. Doug, you, you doing, doing okay here? Uh, yeah, I think same as Daniel. I feel very, I just hate looking at a screen like for the whole <laughs> yeah. day. I, I really hate it. it yeah. It's, it's kind of awful. But other than that, like, I think I've been enjoying my time, surprisingly. Just like, I don't know, it's given me a lot of time to just rest and just wind down. Especially since I always come up to, like, UW every, like, almost every day. <laughs> That's true. So, <laughs> so it, 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 it's nice to have a time to just, like, wind down and just have a break. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I really miss, like, just interacting with people physically. I miss you too, Doug. <laughs> yes, I miss you a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. So, as I said in the intro, as a former pastor, um, when I was going through one of your sermons, I found it interesting that the night before you would present your sermon, that you would, in your bed, recite 
your speech multiple times and you would constantly ask your wife Esther for tips or advice in general. With that being said, as a former pastor, can you describe what goes into preparing a sermon each week? From Monday to Saturday, can you describe the process and what goes into this preparation? Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it's actually been a while since I created a, a, or wrote a new sermon. Um, I, I do have some in my archive now <laughs> that I, when I guest speak, I would take one of those. But um, yeah, when I was pastoring uh, before, I would need to come up with new sermons uh, each time. And so I would say from, well, Mondays are usually days off uh, for, for us as pastors, which is, you know, right after a weekend. Uh, so maybe Tuesday and Wednesday would be kind of like the study of the passage and just seeing what God is saying in his word. Uh, I remember taking seminary class on, on, on was it, uh, speaking on, sorry, on sermon, <laughs> uh, hermeneutic, not hermeneutic, uh, sorry, homiletics, which is... Uh, Preaching, sorry, preaching. And uh, they would say, you got to be faithful to the text. You got to be interesting. You got to be relevant, um, all those things. And so I try to be as faithful to the text as possible. And that would mean taking time to actually read the text and see what is it really trying to say, what's the author saying, right? So that takes that takes some time. And, and you want to give yourself some time to do that rather than just start writing. Um, and so that will take some time to doing that. And as well as, you know, like part of that process is getting commentaries, getting stuff to, to, to help me, you know, understand what the text is saying. And then just it's sermon prepping is, is kind of more of an art. So a lot of times like ideas will come when I'm in the shower or like some random times will just come up like, a, like an illustration from my life or something like that. Um, and then after maybe one or a day and a half or something, then I'll start writing it. And before I start writing, I think I would outline or something, just give myself like, like I understand what, what my main topic is. Like what is the main thing that God is saying through the author in this text to, to the people? Um, and then how do I then take that timeless truth and, uh, you know, uh, let it speak to people today in our context and then so in starting to flesh out, you know, that outline and um, then I would take pretty much another couple of days at least to write it all out. So what I do is I actually write the whole manuscript. I write word by word um, my sermon. Uh, and yeah, that'll take probably another couple of days um, to do that. Uh, by days, I don't mean like the whole 24 hours. I mean like the work day, like the couple hours or few hours that I'm, a, that I'm, a, uh, I'm focused on doing that. And then usually by Friday, like I'm done. Um, and then Saturday night, which is, you know, right before Sunday morning, I would actually like go through it. And yeah, like you said, recite it, like practice it, um, practice going through it so that when I do give it, I'm not so reliant on my notes uh, and, and, and having to look down all the time, but rather I know where I'm going. Uh, it's kind of fresh in my head um, and it's going to be as smooth as possible so that when I do speak it, that people are hearing me. They're not hearing me, you know, say a speech. They're, they're hearing my heart, right? And coming out as natural as possible so that they can receive it, um, really re receive the word of God, which is very transforming, right? And I, wa I, want to, I want to minimize any barriers between, you know, them and the message that God has for them. So I think that's pretty much my process. I think something interesting that you talk about is the fact that you would continue to recite because... For me, when I think about how a pastor prepares for a sermon, they would jot down um, a general outline and have some basic points, but then they would trust that God would give them the words to speak 
through the notes that they've been jotting down and i think in a sense mm-hmm. they wouldn't necessarily write everything out and so for as someone as comfortable as you with just putting yourself out there speaking to the public and just hosting mm-hmm. those type of qualities right. it makes me surprised by the fact that you would write everything out and so what i was wondering is because of the grueling process does the phrase where every line every minute of a sermon requires an hour of preparation does that phrase ring true to you at all every word oh gee <laughs> the crazy uh-huh yeah, yeah, I I get where that's going. I get where that's going. Yeah, where like the the words on there. I mean, it's not just they're all intentional, right? They're not like just just free flow thoughts everywhere, you know. Um, so so I I totally like I I totally understand that. But like the things I say has got to be intentional. I think that's one main reason why I would manuscript it as it as in I would write it all out. Um, you know, pretty much in the, in the last previous previous years, I would actually outline. Um, the manuscript as in the manuscript is actually being outlined. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but like it's, it's almost word by word, but then it's indented in a way that looks like an outline so that when I visually see it, I know what's the main topic and I know what uh, illustration or what things I'm saying here, how that f- you know flows and how that fits in what I'm trying to say. Now, the reason I do all that and the reason I write out more than, let's say, just a word here and there is because, well, first, it keeps me on track so that I'm not like going all off and everything. I make sure I'm always on track with what I'm trying to say, given the time that I have. Um, but also, I think over the years of uh, ministry and pastoring, getting guests, uh, guest speaking opportunities to different churches and different retreats uh, that I've been able to speak at, I often take messages I've done in the past. Now, had I not written it all out before, like, it would be harder to remember what I've said, you know, because if you're spending all this time researching and like studying the word um, and then coming out with a sermon uh, for me to, to have it all there. And now actually could, I could I have it all in my box there, all my sermons, all, actually all in my computer, too. I could just pull it up and everything is there. And so that makes it a lot easier to kind of like, okay, I could just tweak it a little bit for the audience here and I could give this same sermon again. Uh, yeah, so that, that that really helps me out a lot. Now, and that's another reason why I would practice Saturday night because I don't want to just read it, okay? So I practice enough where, it, yeah, people wouldn't think I have all the words written there. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it is written there so that I can stay on point, but then I'm giving it in the way that it, it hopefully it's more natural, you know, and, and like I'm speaking to them. But every pastor does it differently. So this is, you know, if you ask me this, how I, I do it, uh, man, there are pastors. Yeah, there are pastors out there I've seen. They just give it without any notes. They don't even look down. I'm like, wow, I wish I could do that. Um, but it's it's amazing. I mean, I'm talking about pastors who could give a sermon, like, without notes, and yet it's on topic, it's on point, it's clear and concise, everything. I'm like, that that's awesome. Now, you have pastors who could, like, have no notes, and they're just going off everywhere, which I sometimes do. Uh, and then you're like, well, that's why they're going off, because they don't have those notes there. But, yeah. I'm just wondering, do you ever get, like, nervous when you do, like, sermons at all? Because I feel like, mm-hmm. at least for me, if I, like, practice a lot of, like like, a speech or, like, some kind of presentation, I feel like... The more I practice it, the more, like, nervous I get. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> shoot, I have to present this. Mm-hmm. Like, I eventually mm-hmm. have to, like, present this to an audience. 
I'm just yeah, like yeah. getting super nervous. So normally what I do is like, I don't pre- like practice at all or I like <laughs> prepare that much. Right. So I'm kind of like the opposite of you, but yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering, do you ever get like nervous or just like, do you get, yeah. or do you get nervous often? Yeah. Well, I hear you when you say like the more you like kind of make it a thing, it's, it's more expectation maybe on yourself kind of like, well, I practice so much. I'm, I'm not giving presentation. You kind of, you know, psyching yourself up on that. Uh, for me, uh, I would say um, I don't get nervous anymore uh, or even before. So th- this is one of those things that I believe is God gifted or God like it's God. Because believe it or not, uh, growing up, I hated speech. Like I hated the speech class and I hated getting in front of people and talking. And I never liked it until I Actually, yeah, I never liked it until I started seminary, until I started coming back to my home church and they gave me opportunity to speak. And then when I started speaking, I, I realized, and by that time, I've already sensed God's call for me in the ministry. So by that time, then I realized like, well, I actually enjoy this <laughs> and not only enjoy it, but like, I'm not nervous and I enjoy speaking. So the only way, or, or I would say a big part of this, I would say, is I attribute it to, to God. Like, it's actually a spiritual thing for me where I did not grow up being able to or enjoying or, be, yeah, wanting to speak in front of people. Now, when it came to acting, I loved acting. I love being someone I'm not in front of people, but having to be someone who I was and actually speak from my heart to people, I couldn't do it. Uh, not until, like, really, until my seminary years. And then after do, after that, then... I think God just developed that in me and gave me more of a passion for, for speaking his word and, and explaining and, and sharing in front of people. So, so to be honest, the, the, the Thomas you guys see now is not the Thomas or very different from high school me, very, very different from junior high me, like even maybe college, you know, like a lot of this have been developed uh, through God's spiritual anointing, you know, when it comes down to it. Yeah, and I think what fascinates me about what you kind of just said are two things. First is the shower, when you talk about the shower. Because for me, when I was thinking about what questions I would ask you, I was struggling a little bit last night. And to the point where I told myself, hey, I'm going to sit on this and I'm going to let it marinate in my head a little bit. I'm going to take a break. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go take a shower and in the shower that's when two great questions came up in my mind and i think it just really shows how when you're thinking about something so much one of the most important reminders for yourself is to rest from it for a little bit take a break from it because when you're consciously thinking about the same thing over and over for such a long period of time that's when it makes it harder for you to really develop the thoughts that come out. But once you start resting and you just let your thoughts sit in, that's when things come clearer. And I think that's just really God telling me what type of questions I should really ask. And that's just God speaking to me. And it just emphasizes how important resting and just pausing yourself instead of just going at full speed all the time. And just understand that's such an important part of your journey. And the second thing is, just the fact that speech and speaking was a, a, such a weakness for you at start. And I think it's just amazing to see how God can take a weakness and just turn into one of your biggest strengths. 
like now as a pastor, as a trivia game host, as a person who loves putting yourself out there, it's crazy to see that, hey, you know, you may not like this, but in this, you're going to grow so much. And this is where your faith's going to be and the, how your faith is developed. Because for you, when you start speaking, you're like, this is something I just can't do. But the fact that God wanted to take that and turn to something so positive, it just shows how much trust and confidence you can put in him to turn something that you see as a weakness into one of your biggest strengths. And I think that just shows the transformation that God has placed on you. And yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, for sure. Um, what What's amazing about that, as you, as you were just talking about, it, it points to Jesus. It points to God, right? It's the, you know, pastors that talk about our weakness, right? Demonstrates God, God's power, right? Like uh, in our weakness, his, his, his strength is perfect, right? Um, we, we point others to Jesus, right? It's like, this is not me. This is because of God, what God has done and how he's moving my life or, and what he does. Like, that's that's what you see, you know? And and I love doing that. I love being able to tribute all these things to God because really it is him, you know? Yeah, and as a man who has made his life mission to bring more people to Christ and sharing the gospel, I can imagine that there could be a lot of hate and despair and anger in that when you try to share the gospel with others. And as a man that has had his mission and who has been through the trials, what do you think really discourages people ultimately from opening up their minds to Christ? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, I, I, the more and more I, I understand the gospel and more and more I understand like people – I realized that what keeps people from the gospel or from God himself, uh, a lot of it is a misunderstanding of who God is and a misunderstanding of what the gospel is. Um, really, when it comes down to the gospel is good news. That's what the word gospel comes from, okay? Uh, it, it's good news. And oftentimes, I think the way it's packaged, it's not good news. And if it's not good news, a lot of people don't want that, right? Like if, if, if the good news is God hates me, <laughs> if the good news is God hates me until I sub Jesus, right? Then it's like, well, I hate him too. I don't like him either. And you have that message for me. You know, I don't like you Christians either, right? But really, the, the message is uh, that God has reconciled the world to himself. And that actually comes straight from the Bible in Corinthians. Uh, and, and because of that, I could go up to any non-Christian and say, look, God accepts you. Actually, God has come all the way to towards you already. You don't need to go all the way to him. See, the thing is, I think people often think I have to do all these things to get up to God and Oftentimes, that's how life works. That's how you achieve things in life. And that's how a lot of religions are. You have to climb the mountain to get to this divine being, right? You got to do the work. You got to go on this pilgrimage and get to him. But Christianity is the good news where God has come down already. And, and he has come down as Jesus, as a baby, right? For us. And, and that's the message for the world that the world needs to hear. And to be honest with you, nowadays, when, when, when I share the gospel... Um, to non-Christians and, and, and to, to just share this good news, they're not, they're not, they're not hostile to that. Um, they, they, if anything, it's like, uh, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I didn't hear about that or, or the, the, the God that I grew up thinking or believing uh, or that Christians often portray is a God that hates our guts, you know, a God that's against me and that I would burn in hell forever if I were, to, you know, like, 
And, and, and that's not the good news. So, so for me, I think that's a huge hang up when it comes to or, or barrier when it comes to people coming to know God as he is. Um, granted, there might be people even with that good news that are like, no, or <laughs> like, like, don't even talk to me about God. But I will say a lot of that is, is kind of a trigger. It's, it's, there's, there, there's some sort of rejection. There's some sort of thing that caused them to reject God. But, but, but the, the thing is, if, if the good news is about God accepting and loving us, like to, to reject that, like who would reject someone that loves them? Unless there's some real, 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 some deep hurt and issue there, right? So what that's that what that means is there there's probably some deep hurt and issues that people have in their lives that they've experienced in their lives that have caused them to react in that way. Um, so, so with that said, uh, my my hope is that if and when people reject Jesus, um, as in the process of me sharing Christ with them, I want them to reject Jesus and the gospel as he is and as the gospel is. I don't want them to reject Jesus and the gospel as it's not, right? Because if they are rejecting Jesus and the gospel and God, right, as like, oh yeah, I don't want that because God wouldn't want anything to do with me, then I would say, you're not rejecting God. That's not the God that I believe, you know? So you're not really rejecting the gospel. Um, I want to get to the point where they hear the good news as it is. And if they were to reject that and they're hostile against they're like, I don't want that then at least I could step back and go, at least they know the gospel and they're rejecting the gospel as it is um, rather than a misunderstanding of it, which breaks my heart, right? It's like, gosh, they don't know that God loves them and they're rejecting a false idea of who God is. Does that make sense? Yeah. I might have gone a little off, off tangent on that, but that's that's kind of my whole thought about the whole gospel and, and, and my passion for wanting people to understand it before they reject it, mm. right? Yeah, no, for sure. That That's great. Honestly, like I... I think I agree too. Like I've had, probably not as much as you, okay? But like I've had times where I have shared the gospel before and it it, it does feel kind of hard because like there is that barrier as you're mm-hmm. saying. Um, but like, I, I think at least for me, maybe it's because I haven't shared enough or maybe like it's going to happen later. Typically, whenever I have shared the gospel, it normally ends up like, oh, that's cool. And then like, they just go on with their day. But like, I'm just wondering, like, do you have any like testimonies of just, or stories where it's like, you have shared the gospel to them. They may or may not have taken it, but then later on they like, you know, come back and they're like, Hey, wait, this thing that you shared to me, it's like actually pretty good. There is like that good news kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got to think about something that comes to mind. Uh, I know it has, uh, but yes. So a lot of, a lot of times sharing it, right. It's, it's actually becomes very much organic or, or very natural. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that like with, with any of you and all of us, when it comes to sharing the gospel, it becomes less and less about what we're doing, right? Like less and less about a task. Like we're going to share the gospel now, or we're going to do this and go through these steps now with people. But rather I, I want us to see, sharing the gospel or evangelizing all that stuff as, as some, some something you are right you are not doing outreach you are outreaching and so for me when it comes to like sharing the gospel i would say just like you know just being around someone okay and uh and, and just showing them and sharing with them like yeah this is this is who i am and also uh representing to them who jesus is okay so so things that are coming to mind as i'm sharing this is um 
<laughs> so I might have shared this before, maybe or maybe not, but like uh, my family loves going on cruises and uh, <laughs> can't now, but uh, but when we were on cruises, something I love doing, uh, and this might sound in- very interesting, but I love going to the nightclubs. Okay, <laughs> I love going to nightclubs because one, I love dancing. I, I love that I could eat so much <laughs> during the day and work it off at night. But that's one reason. Second reason, uh, well, actually, many reasons. Second reasons because my kids are sleeping. Esther's sleeping. I'm I'm kind of more of a night person. I have a lot of energy. I gotta get it out. Um, that's second reason. Third reason, okay, is this and is like I want to represent to the world who Jesus is. I'm not going to stay away from the world because I am to be the light of the world, right? We often hear like not of this world, but I feel like that that saying is kind of not correct because it's or it's incomplete. We're not of this world, but we're sent into. See, we we got to we got to finish it off. We're we're sent into this world, right? And so for me being there, for example, okay? And and just meeting people. So I go there and I just start meeting people uh <laughs> I don't know. And and I love doing that because as you stay on the same boat, eventually you see each other out at breakfast, you see each other everywhere. And then by the end of the week, right, day one's the hardest because I go there and I'm like dancing by myself. I literally go to dance by myself. That's how no shame I have at this point. I dance by myself and then I'm like getting to the DJ, whoever, and then I start talking to people. Next thing you know, you're developing friendships or whatever. You see each other next day on your excursion, whatever, you see each other again the following night and you go, hey, you're going to see you tonight? All right. By the last night, I know everybody, right? In the whole place. Um, and what, what's really neat is I feel like just by being there, I am representing Jesus. Now, I'm not representing Jesus by like getting drunk or anything. I'm representing Jesus by being with them. And they would ask me, right? Like it will come up like, hey, so where are you from? All that stuff. Or what do you do? For me, being a pastor is easy to get into the topic of Jesus because I tell them, oh, I'm a, I'm a church pastor. I straight up tell them. And the first thing they, they, they react is like, okay, I mean, you could tell in their brains they're like, a, a Christian pastor is at a nightclub on this cruise dancing with me, you know, and hanging out with us and, and drinking next to me. You know, like, what the heck? Um, and, and the crazy thing I've learned about that is they're not going, what the heck? You are a hypocrite and you shouldn't be doing this. They're saying, wow, you would hang out with us. Really? You know what I mean? Like, like Jesus, would Jesus do that? And I would tell them straight up, of course he would. Why wouldn't he? Right. Opportunity to share the gospel right there. Right. I am representing Jesus' heart to you. And I love that. That's why more and more I love like hanging out with non-Christians. That's why I host trivia nights at bars and stuff because I, I need to be out there. Uh, you know, because if I have this good news to share with the world that they need to hear that Jesus would go so far to, to tell them that, like they need to hear that. And uh, I see I already forgot the, the original question. But, <laughs> but, but yes, like there are. Oh, there are. Yes, there are opportunities where it has come up where I basically tell them, like, this is who I am. This is why I do this. Um, and in that, even though even if it's not like step this, how you become a Christian, I am sharing the gospel just by being there. But yes, there have been opportunities where I, I do tell them, like, this is because this is the God that I believe that he actually has reconciled you to him. Like, he has nothing against you, you know, and, and it's through Christ, right? Um, yeah. So anyway, there's that story. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that that's awesome. Um, I, I don't think that was the question I asked, <laughs> per se. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I, but you know what? So, that was so a great related. story. Thank you for sharing, though. Yeah, you're welcome. Incredible story. And going back to my question, I think the reason why I brought up the words despair, hatred, anger, 
guilt, those type of words, is because when I have seen Christians preach the gospel or try to preach the gospel to other people, I've seen a lot of responses in the form of, nah, I'm not, I'm good, or I don't want to be a part of this, or yeah. I don't believe in this, in a very resentment type of way. And to me, that's why I can imagine the same with you when you do the same. And obviously going from your cruise mm -hmm. trip, it's very apparent that there's such a misrepresentation for what Christians could be and that yeah. Christians can have fun in ways that non-Christians can have it. And when they see that, it really bridges that gap. So for you, where does, where do you think that misrepresentation of Christians really stems from? All right, if you're asking me like, where does it really come from? If we go deep down, it comes from our brokenness when it comes down to it, it comes from our sin nature. Our sin nature will read the Bible, which has the good news of a God that, that has always pursued his people. And we will twist it to become a God who is always about us trying to reach him by doing good works, right? And then we, we use that then to, to place it on other people and judge them and say, you're not being spiritual enough and you're not godly enough, right? Because you don't do this and this and this. Right, we we taken something so good, um, and 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 totally messed it up. Um, so yeah, when it comes down to it, like it, it, it starts in nature, like a brokenness as as people, um, and because of that, guess what happens is we we hurt each other, we hurt each other, um, we we put this on other people, and really, uh, Christianity for a lot of people and a lot of churches be, has become uh behavior modification right has become it's all about it's about the external it's about how you behave or how you are spiritually outside on the outside and if you think about it all of us kind of either has been ingrained in our heads that that that's what's about or we have that tendency too right um is you know a lot of times we ask each other oh how how, how's it going with your faith how's it going spiritually right and quickly you know just think about how you would answer that question right a lot of us would say well um, yeah, I, I, I did my quiet times today, um, which is great. You know, Friday, I did my quiet times. <laughs> or I, I went to church today. We, we quantify it with, with stuff we do, right? Um, and then we also place on other people thinking, oh, they're not spiritual enough or they're not Christian because they don't do this or they do that. Um, and, and that's what's become. And if, if, if Christianity then becomes just about this religion, okay, of doing this and doing that, then yeah, in a sense, it's easier to quantify and measure each other's spirituality, but that's not the intent or the heart of the gospel. And then what happens is we do the opposite of what the heart of the gospel is, which is to love and care and love people towards Jesus who is full of love, but rather we end up hurting each other and placing each other under these standards that not only we place ourselves under, but we place others under and they can't meet it, all that stuff, then it's like, oh, forget them, <laughs> yeah, you know, because it's not about the people anymore, it's about the religion, it's about um, the God that we misunderstand, right, we think God is, I need to please him, I need to appease him, like an earthly king, or else off my, with my head, and that's really the God that I have, then I better make sure I, I, I shape up, and I better make sure everybody around me shapes up. And if I was to come in as your staffer with that theology, I would be very different than, than how I am right now, right? I would be more about, what's wrong with you people? You know, like, shape up or ship out. What's with the words that are coming out of your mouth? You know, like, I would be like, what the heck? You know, like, you know, let this place be really a place where we all are spiritual, you know? Um, but I'm not about that, because God is not about that. So... Hope, hope, hope that makes sense. Real, we we do that to ourselves. We we mess it up. 
you know, our sinful nature twists and, and, and end up hurting each other. Yeah, I really like the point where you talk about quantifying faith because I just think that's really true. And I think something that I've misunderstood at first, and I think a lot of Christians struggle to understand, is that we're not all destined to have a church-based role. For example, when I was younger and even as I was growing, I always thought that I would have to be a pastor of some sort or a messenger or speaker of some sort to really not impress God, but to do his work. And I think something that I've realized over the last couple of months is that's just not true at all. And it's about understanding where God has placed you and what does he want to do with you? Because for each person, we all have this unique journey where in the end, only you fit that journey that God has placed you on. God has given you the unique qualities, the unique experiences, and the unique mindset for you to prepare yourself for this journey. And I think that's what makes each person so special is that we all have this different journey. And so for me, now I try to understand how has God put me in the place where I can best honor him? And I think when I think about like that, then I'm really figuring out what is my identity in Christ? What has God shaped me to be? And for each person, we all have to follow some guidelines for how we should act. But the way we follow those guidelines is so different. And I think that's what makes faith so special because in the end, we're all supposed to be in our own element and just be ourselves, be who God wants us to be. And I think understanding that is difficult, but once you get it, then it makes faith so much easier. And for you, it was having fun on the cruise ship and showing people that, hey, God's people can have the same amount of fun as you guys. And I think that's just something that we need to better understand. And I think it yeah. just makes faith a lot more easier. Mm. Yeah, let me go off of that. I, 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 love how you, how, I love how you just said that because I, I very much resonate with, with that, especially in, in the last couple of years, like where I am now. Um, I think you guys know me enough where, uh, you know, when I'm around you guys, whether it be Wednesday nights at large groups or, you know, just meeting up with you that I hope you don't. Yeah, I don't think at all that you see see a sense of like obligation or a sense of like, this is my job. Gosh, I have to do this. You know, like, you know, I'm, someone's telling me to do this. Right. Um, and, and really, I, I have got to thank for that through 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 the years of just shaping me, helping me understand uh, not only my identity, but also my purpose being in this world, the mission that God has for me. Um, but yes, Daniel, as you said, like how God's created me uniquely too. And, uh, and seeing how all that fits in, uh, with campus ministry right now and how that's been so like, and that's why it's been so life giving for me because a lot of people talk about their jobs and things like that. And granted a lot of jobs in this world, most jobs in this world will not satisfy and won't, um, and in a sense, this job for me, it, it won't ever fully satisfy, but at the same time, it's been so life-giving because it has been the intersection of uh, my passions, experiences, uh, giftings, and heart, and opportunities, whatever. It, it, it's all inter intersecting with this in-campus ministry. And so that's been so good to kind of discover, you know, how God has led me through these years to, to where I am now. And the thing is, it, it may take years, right? <laughs> like, I'm not that young. Um, but, and, and, you know, like, it's taken me this long to finally 
be at a place where I'm like, wow, this is every minute almost is so life giving, you know, um, but it is it is a great place to be to know who you are, like to know your identity, know that the purpose God has for you and for you, like like as an individual uniquely in this world. Yeah. As you shine for Christ right where you are. Yeah, and I'm not saying that figuring out your identity Christ is such an easy thing because ultimately it is a lifelong process. And a lot of times you're going to feel lost a couple of days and sometimes you're going to feel like you got everything. Yeah. But I think through that process, this is where you learn like, hey, I might not know what my identity in Christ really is, but that's where faith and trust really comes in. It's just being faithful in the sense that, hey, God's got my back and I may not know what I'm doing, but God knows what he wants for me and he's going to guide me. And I think once you realize that you just put all your faith and trust in that, then the whole journey becomes easier. But it's just taking that step and overcoming that. That's the most difficult part. Yeah. And, 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 and that's pretty much why I'm here. I, I'm here to come alongside of you guys to really share with you stuff like I personally learned in my life through mistakes and through not knowing stuff and through what I do know now, you know, and as much as possible to help you guys in that journey of understanding, discovering like who you are in Christ, right? And who you are as God says you are, you know, and, and, and what your mission is and everything. So that, you know, as you're struggling through life and struggling through unknowns of what am I going to study, what am I going to be in the future, all that stuff, that, you know, hopefully uh, you get an eternal perspective in all this. And as you, you guys carry on, that you'll find yourself in a place where, okay, you know, I think I know how God has created me. And I, I think I know who I am in this world with the good news that I have and how good it is. And let that, you know, uh, carry you forward as you creatively live that out, you know, uh, in your life. So that's my passion heart for you guys, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. And because we're on this topic of standard image, that type of thing, obviously, as a pastor with kids, there's this added pressure for your kids to, in a sense, live up to what you've become because you're a pastor. And as a person that's more on the other side of this, is this something that you think about? And if you do, how do you respond to this? Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely have heard that before uh, and, and known pastor's kids and all that stuff. And uh, <laughs> usually it's like, oh, they're, they're, they're messed up because they're PKs, you know, <laughs> because they're pastor's kids. And, and the mess upness, if you think about it, you got to think about what messes them up. What messes a kid up? What messes me up, right? Um, I mean, a lot of things do, but um, when, when it comes to, to the whole pastor thing, like let's say, well, my dad's actually a pastor too, so I'm a PK, um, though he became pastor later on, so I didn't grow up as a PK. Um, but what messes someone up is when they are in the house with someone, right? They know someone so well, they see someone every day, is, is basically it's the hypocrisy, right? Right. You see your dad or you see whoever on the pulpit and they're, they're saying all this stuff, telling people what to do bad home. Oh, you see a whole different side of them, right? So for me, when it comes to my kids, okay, is yeah, they see my ugliness. They do, okay, they, 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 they for sure do. My family see my ugliness that you guys don't see. However, something I wanna continue to, to stress and keep in mind, and I think I don't even have to keep in mind because I know like, like how good the gospel is, is with the gospel that, that I believe that is so good is none of us need to be hypocrites. Like we, really the reason someone's a hypocrite is because they're trying to hide something right or they're they're trying to be two versions you know it's it's so so for me is a sense of when i'm wrong when i am messed up when i yell at them and, and, and i know i'm wrong like 
I do my best to come back and say that that was messed up. I'm sorry, you know, and, and to let them know, like, I, I don't ever think I'm, 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 I've arrived, you know, like I'm still learning. I tell them this all the time. Like I'm still learning how to be a dad, you know, I will be, I'll be learning this for the rest of my life. Like, you know, when you were born, I tell my son, when you were born, I, that was my first time being that. Like I had no idea. And I still don't know what I'm doing. And a lot of, anyway, so to be able to show in other words, show those cards, right? Like instead of like, you know, trying to hide it and say, oh, I got this because I'm holy and awesome and I'm right and you're wrong. But, you know, to constantly let them know I'm human, I'm still learning. Um, and I think uh, I, in understanding that when it comes to church ministry too, like when I, I would preach, I would show like, I would show them like my vulnerability. Like when I, when I say a certain point or whatever, I would say like, I'm struggling with this too, you know, just like you guys. I wouldn't ever try to pretend I'm, I'm someone I'm not. And, and when I'm with you guys, you know, same thing too. Like I, I wouldn't be like, I've arrived. You guys be like me, but rather like I'm learning this with you. If anything, yeah, I'm older. I have more experience. I could share those with you because I love you guys. And because I made those mistakes too, you know? So it, it really is all in the, on the approach or on the uh, approach is that what I just said the approach the 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 way you frame it and the way you um your posture that's the word I was looking for in your in your posture if your posture is I'm up here you're down there I'm on pedestal yeah you're gonna be a hypocrite right but if your posture is no I'm down here with you and even though you make the, those mistakes all that stuff they know like like I'm, I'm down here with them you know and so with that then then hopefully Hopefully they won't be as messed up as they could be, right? So yeah, uh, that's something I keep in mind for them too, you know, uh, because they see me in ministry all the time, right? I'm serving you guys. They know I'm on a podcast right now. In fact, I'll be honest with you right now, right before this, I was, I was threatening them. I was telling them, all right, I'm on a podcast for ACF. You guys make noises. You're going to have privileges taken away. I literally said that to them. <laughs> now I'm going like, yeah, I, I guess I kind of threatened them, but hey, it works. But uh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But at the same time, like, like it's real, man. Like I would tell them, okay, you know, maybe that was not the best way. But at the same time, they 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 know. Like I'm not trying to hide anything, you know. And yeah. Anyway, that was just kind of an example mm. <laughs> of that. Yeah, like yeah. I, I I'm definitely not a PK. I didn't grow up Christian, but like I think <laughs> I'm definitely not. I think yeah. as like a first generation um, Asian American, I think it's really hard. Like I, I w- when you're talking, right? I I, I really resonated with it. Because, like, I think it's really hard, just, like, as a first-generation um, Asian-American, it's really hard to get to know your parents. Like, I always feel like the only thing I know about them is, like, oh, they came from Vietnam, and then they came to America, so we can have, you know, a good life. Yeah. But, like, other than that, that's really all I know about them. And, like, every time I would have a discussion about them or with them, it's, like, usually about school. And it's, like, really, like, mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes it can be very tense, too. Like, I used to get into fights a lot with my parents just because, like, it would be about school or just, like, me being lazy or right. something like that, even though I am lazy. But um, yeah. besides the point, yeah. like, I, I, I think I definitely resonate with that. I think that's really cool that you're doing that with your children and, like, you're very mindful of that and... Yeah, maybe I'm as messed up as PK kids. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, Doug. Uh, and, and I am too, you know what I mean? Because I also live uh, with my parents being a lot more of the traditional Chinese as well. So when it comes to like like close relationship, uh, not not very, not as, you know, uh, we don't just hang out. <laughs> we don't just talk about stuff. Yeah, before it was usually about school and stuff. And yeah, so I could relate, I could relate with you with that. 
you know, when it comes to, to, to how you relate to your parents. Yeah, it really resonates with Doug's point because I could just relate to it with on so many levels. Mm. And I can't speak for all Asian American families, but here's what I can say about mine. I've struggled for the past 20 years in figuring out how I can get really close to them. And I think a lot of it comes down to the Asian culture, to the notion that we need to pretend that everything is okay mm. all the time. And to send a message out that no matter mm. what we go through, we're going to be okay and yeah. we're going to be better than you. And for a lot of young kids, and for me also, at a young age, I was figuring out how yeah. do I live up to yeah. my parents' standards right. who've worked so hard from the ground up to give us the life that we have mm-hmm. right now. And I think it gives, it creates this added pressure at such a young age. And then it's figuring out how do we adapt to that. And so that's where the barrier is set. And for us, it's about showing our parents that, hey, we're succeeding and we're okay all the time. And once we both do that, then you really have a barrier set. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people. And that's why sometimes you hear people say that their friends are their true family. Because your friends grow up with you and you guys go through the same struggles together. There's a lot more Mm -hmm. ways to relate with each other. Like, for example, let's say you're both in a math class, right? And it's a really hard math class. But because you and your friend, Mm -hmm. because you're both struggling together, there's not as much pressure on who's better on this competitive standard, but it's... Mm -hmm about being vulnerable with each other because you guys get each other because both of you guys know this class is really hard. So you guys are more receptive to those rants, to those um, concerns, worries, anxiety. Mm. And I think once you continue to build that for many years, for some of us, we think, wow, our friends are really our family because we've gone through this for 20 years. And I can relate so much better with my friends than my family. And I think it's also on the kid because at the same time, once both of you are pretending to be okay with everything, then it's who wants to be vulnerable first. And it's the fear of, hey, if I become vulnerable and take this risk, my parents are going to disapprove that and in a sense degrade me. And I think that's what really scares a lot of people away. And yeah, that's what leads to the idea of I got to live up to the standard. Or I got to live up to these expectations. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the, and the Asian culture uh, is very much about, you know, as you were sharing, it's, it's the whole idea of saving face, right? The whole idea of how we present ourselves, right? And how people see us. And, and in a sense, you know, to put it bluntly, I mean, it's, it's, it's putting on a show. And when you're trying to put it on a show, it's not authentic, right? And, and so, whereas, you know, your kids know exactly what's going on, right? Or not your kids, but you mean the kids. We know, mm-hmm. you know, okay, us as kids, but also my kids, right? You know, that's, there's no hiding, you know, like, like, you know? And so when you're putting on a show, it's, it's, it's like, oh, you know, we, we got to, you know, be like this. Um, and if that's the priority, yeah, then, then, then the kids will be like, you know, and we as kids with sense and get the, get the message very clearly that the show is more, more important than the people in the show, right? Better than the people, you know what I mean? And so I'm just kind of needing to fit into the show, into this role, 
right? That, 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 that we're trying to make. Um, that's tough. I mean, it, it's a very ingrained in the, I mean, it's, it's a very much part of the culture. Um, now there's a lot of, you know, don't get me wrong. A lot of things I appreciate about being Asian. Actually, I'm happy to be Asian. I love Asian, Asian food culture, but there are things about it where when it comes to our spirituality, right? Where when it comes to faith, we got to ask ourselves, am I a Christian first? Or my Chinese first, right? For me, am I Christian first, and am, or, and am I, or am I a Chinese American first, right? I'm a Christian first. My first identity is I'm a citizen of heaven, and then I happen to be a Chinese American Christian, right? Not flipped, right? And that's where you'll see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I'm not calling anybody out, but parents, you know, uh, wherever it be, you know, our churches and things like that, all about hey. Priority, you got to study. And that's the most important thing. Then if you have time, then go to church, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's okay. Which one comes first? You know, what's more important and what really is the value? Um, and a lot of times it's flipped and uh, that's, that's where it gets messed up, <laughs> you know? And that's where we get messed up too in our theology. We bring to our spirituality and our faith that idea of performance. It becomes a performance-based uh, Christianity. It's all about a show, putting on a show when it's really not. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think something just to clarify is that studying is should be prioritized. It should be something that is high on your yep. list because God has given you the opportunity to have an education in order to fulfill a future role. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to honor that and to recognize that, hey, I'm here to learn so that in the future mm-hmm. I've been equipped with the knowledge, with the skills. Yep to honor God in the best way that I can. And so studying should be prioritized. And But what I think is really dangerous about that is the fact that humans just gravitate towards short-term success. It's about what do we find now that, that can give us pleasure, you know? And that's where temptations come in. And that's what makes this so dangerous is that we lose sight of our future goals. We lose sight of why, of our why and why we're here in the first place. And I think the most common example I can think of is your decision to come to the University of Washington. The idea that of the idea of competitive majors. And when you first said yes to the University of Washington, your only goal wasn't to just get the grades necessary, but it was, hey, the University of Washington has given me an education, can give me an education where I can have a future job in something that is fulfilling in the Lord's work. And I think what's so dangerous is because there's added pressure already with needing to get into a major, then as yeah. students, once you enroll in your classes, you're not necessarily thinking about all the concepts you're learning, but you're thinking about how do I get the grade? How do I get the numbers? How do I make sure that I'm not falling behind? How do I make sure that I don't feel stupid, you know? And I think that's when, and for kids at ages from 18 to 22, to really understand that it's not a performance-based thing is so difficult because in the moment you're thinking about if I don't get into my major, what am I going to do with my life? And I think it's something that's really scary. And obviously that's where the faith and confidence in the Lord really comes in that he has put you here because he knows that you're going to be okay with whatever he does. And I think to really trust that is so difficult for a 
for just people like us at such a young age. And, but it's something if you truly understand, it makes living life easier. But obviously as humans, we struggle with this on a lifelong, pro- it's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what faith is, right? Faith is that whole, it's seeing the unseen, right? Hebrews 11, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain, right? Certain of what we do not see. Um, otherwise, it'd be living by sight, right? It's, it's living by faith. And it's not easy. It, for sure, it is not easy, right? Like, like how, do you, how do you see what you don't see? Or like, you know, that's, that's, that's asking us to like do what's unnatural, you know? Because what's right in front of me is what I see. Um, and I think we, we might have touched upon this uh, in one of our large groups before when, when I was talking to you guys about like, yeah, there's the reality of what we see. And that's all in front of you, you know, when it comes to your studies and everything, your majors, what you're going to do in life. Oh, yeah, those are the time when I had my or, 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 uh, the alumni Yuri come uh, and share. And I was talking about like, yeah, you know, there's just so much pressure on you guys to, to do all these things. Um, so how do we press forward in all this? And for me, you know, I was exhorting you guys like, you know what, I'm not I'm not at all. And I would not at all tell you, forget your studies. It's all about Jesus. Right. Because that's ignorant and that's dumb you're here you're at this university it's 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 more like how do you put that into perspective how do you put your studies and the hard work and the uncertainties of your major all that stuff jobs all that stuff how do you put that into perspective especially if you believe in eternal life right especially if you believe that there's the unseen because if there really is the unseen which is faith eternity all that stuff i think what we really need to ask ourselves is which which is more real like the uncertain i mean the 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 faith, you know, the eternal or, or the what's right in front of us. And I think many of us would say right, what's right in front of us. And for sure, it's what we see. However, I think with, yeah, with the gospel, with, with Jesus, with the Spirit's help, we're able to see that what's really, really in front of us is actually what we don't see. Um, and is actually the eternal, is actually, you know, the people around us uh, needing Jesus, right? Like all those things we don't see, but we know because we have the faith that this is real. And we have the faith that, you know, everybody coming closer to Jesus is the best thing, better than if someone was just to, you know, be happy with a burger, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's even though the, bur- the burger is real. Right. But giving them Jesus right in a burger, maybe <laughs> it's, it's so much better because like, I believe that's real, you know? Yeah. I see a lot of truth in that. And but for now, we're going to have to move on for a little bit. So. Sure. We have a segment called Trip Down Memory Lane where All right. we're going to ask you sure. about past events in your life and you're just going to tell us what you remember from them. Does that sound good? All right. Just just kind of come a quick thing I remember. Just uh, go boom, 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 boom. Okay. Yeah, it can be quick. Okay, or sure. If there is an event that we bring up that you find compelling, then you can talk about it more. All right. So is it true that you still have all the notes that the girl you liked in eighth grade wrote to you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You listen to that message. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I said it in my message, then it's true, right? Like, I, I'm not a, a stand-up comic uh, comedian that makes up stories or whatever. No, that's true. Uh, yeah, I did like a girl. In, I, I liked a girl every, probably every season of my life, honestly. Hey, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and, and so, yeah, eighth grade, there's a girl that I liked. And uh, I, I wrote her notes. That's what we did back then. We didn't have texts we didn't have cell phones or email okay and so you know what i did i called girls up on the phone i would talk to them on the phone right that's what we did back then um and then we'd write them notes fold in different ways of folding it pass it to them they would pass it back you get excited open it and go 
oh, they didn't like me. <laughs> you know, or, or like, uh, yeah, whatever. So, no, she, uh, that particular girl didn't, didn't like me back or anything. But yes, of course I kept all the notes. Um, and to be honest, <laughs> I think all the notes are still in my parents' house somewhere, like in the closet or um, somewhere stashed somewhere. I might have thrown them away. I don't know. But I'm very sen- sentimental like that. You give me a card. One of you guys give me a card. I'll probably keep it for a while, especially if it's like really heartfelt. If it's not, then I'd probably keep it for like, I still keep it for a month, you know. <laughs> but if it's heartfelt card, I would keep it for a while. What do you remember about the time you performed the Backstreet Boys lip sync for your wedding? <laughs> oh gosh, uh, that that was that was fun. That was really fun. And so, okay, in college, in college life, uh, I I did some lip syncs uh, with. Actually, I I got my friends together to do lip syncs. That's what we did back then. Um, this is before YouTube. Now, if YouTube was around, maybe we would have gotten famous, but maybe I wouldn't have been. A, pastor no uh but that's <laughs> we, we did that back then and so lip syncing was kind of like our thing when we, we became seniors at our acf everybody was like oh my gosh thomas and these guys are all doing lip syncs uh, you know boy band stuff and uh by the end of the year i was okay so we had these things called vhrs or v- vhs tapes vcr vcrs <laughs> and uh we would uh we, we had our list okay we had a bunch of um lip syncs and full disclosure, I still have them, and they're on DVD form now. So if you ever want to check it out, uh, and some of them are on YouTube. But anyway, uh, they they were on these VHS tapes, and we were mass producing them. I was connecting VH. If you don't know what guys, listeners, if you don't know what that is, uh, a Google image VCR, what it is basically, you could record, and it's old school. Anyway, so we were mass mass producing these uh, tapes, VHS tapes, and then giving it to everybody, a lot of people who wanted them. Anyway, that's a backstory. So my groomsmen were a lot of these same guys that were I was doing lip syncs with in college. So half of my groomsmen were best friends, like from college. Half my groomsmen were, were basically my brother and two other friends from home. Now. I basically like, you know what, I, I, you know, before my wedding, I was just like, I want to do a surprise for Esther. I uh, don't want her to know about this. Uh, what am I going to do? And what am I going to do with my, 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 what's it called? My, my groomsmen. And it's like, oh yeah, we could do a lip sync like we used to do back in the day. And so, yeah, I, I, I picked the one, uh, I'll be the one uh, by Backstreet Boys. Listen to it over and over again in the car. And this is what I usually do with skits and stuff like that. I start imagining and start thinking about choreography. I start thinking about like how we're going to do this and how am I going to direct it. Um, okay, so because my friends, from they're from L.A., right? My, my UCLA friends are from L.A. Uh, or some of them. We were all in the same place. The only time we were able to practice was right before um, our rehearsal for the wedding. So they had just flown in, got together, and I, that was the only time I had with them. So uh, I, I got them together at my church, actually, at the, on, the, <laughs> on the stage of the church of the meeting room where I was youth pastoring at. And we practiced, like, nonstop for, for a while until we got it down. And then um, I was late to my own uh, wedding rehearsal. <laughs> and I had to keep a surprise, so I couldn't tell them why. And so my dad, my mom, uh, other people are just kind of looking at me going, why are you late? Like, why are you late to your own wedding rehearsal? Who, what's wrong with you, right? I'm like, yeah, we, we had to do something, you know? Mm. Anyway, so we did it. Uh, yeah, and it, it, was, it was so fun. Um, it's recorded, it's on YouTube, and a low, not very good quality camera but that's how what we had back then but yeah that's what i remember and that i'll always remember it fun times and esther was very surprised and she loved it so as you can tell in the video if you watched it <laughs> yeah i did watch the video you had esther on all right, right? well wow, you did a lot of digging <laughs> this is good 
Nice, nice. Yeah. All right. What do you remember about the time your family met and interviewed Chris Wondolowski? <laughs> Um, I so my my family were 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 Quakes fans, San Jose Earthquakes. They are the MLS soccer team of San Jose. Um, yeah, I never really got into any sports except soccer, and as in watching soccer, I didn't really. I, I played a little bit, like as an adult, like a couple years ago. And the only reason I became a soccer fan was because my son is a huge soccer fan, and he loves playing soccer, right? And so we became San Jose Earthquakes fans. Um, what I love about the San Jose Earthquakes is that they're so accessible. Um, meaning, meaning I can meet the players like very easily. Um, and that's because San Jose Earthquakes are not the Golden State Warriors and they are not, you know, they're not so big where like, there's no way you can meet them. And that's, what's cool about it is because it's like so accessible. The the stadium is, I would still say it's my favorite stadium and I miss it in San Jose, Avaya Stadium. It's, it's, it's small, it's cozy, right? It's like, it's cool. You get to know the fans around you, all that stuff. And then afterwards, you know, the, 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 the players would just be out there signing stuff. Um, once in a while, they'll have meet and greets at different places. Chris Wanolowski is probably the most well-known player of the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, reason being, just last year, they, he, he broke the record for the number of goals in MLS history. So he has the largest number of goals accumulated, right? Um, yeah, and uh, so he, he's, he's a really friendly guy. So we got a chance to meet him. And at that time, every player I was meeting, I started doing these things called the, the Sharpie interviews. Uh, I took a Sharpie um, and basically I would hold it up and you guys can't see it, listeners, but they could see it through our video. I will hold it up and be like, hey, so, all right, all right, we're here with Chris Wanolowski. How are you doing? Let us know, uh, you know, how's your day? And I would just like, let the, pretend there's a microphone, right? Um, so I was doing that with other players. And then so when I got to a chance to interview him, I got a chance to do that. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, kids were there. My wife's there. My uh, my brother's family was there too. So it's on video, as you've probably seen, so it's on YouTube. Um, really nice guy. What's really cool about him is he's the most well-known player on the team. And yet I found him to be most like everybody was friendly, but I found him to be the most down to earth and, uh, yeah, great guy. Yeah. I miss that. That's a part I miss about being in San Jose. Yeah. When I was watching your interview with him, I was pretty surprised to see that for such a soccer star that the line was pretty short it was just a bunch of little kids and something i found pretty funny and interesting was the fact that your daughter corinne she would always ask the same question to each soccer player and always be do you love soccer and i just thought that was funny nice (laughs) yeah it's great to be able to meet players yeah (laughs) yeah it's great to meet the players you know what i mean like like you see them out there doing their thing everybody's cheering but then you get to meet them and get to know them as, as as person you know really neat yeah all right so moving on sure um you talk about how in 97 and 98 you went on a mission trip to china and you described it as a life-changing moment for you um in fact you said that god basically completely broke your heart there yes and so i was wondering what made this trip different from your previous mission trips and how did that really change you as a person yeah um, so in 97 and 98, uh, this was basically the summer after my sophomore year of college and junior year of college. So, uh, 97, summer after my sophomore year of college, I, I got a chance to go to China and teach English, uh, to students. Actually, the main purpose was to, you know, uh, share who we are as Christians and to, you know, share the gospel and stuff. Um, 
and, and, and but you know you, you can't go there as a you know missionary but you 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 so you go there as a teacher right which I did and in in doing so I got to really get to know my students I was given like a set of 12 students no idea who they were but for some reason God just gave me this heart like broken for them since day one I saw them I was like okay these are my students for the next month here and I have the gospel I have Jesus and they don't and I have this short time with them to be able to share that with them. And so I would, I remember that feeling and, and sense of burden that every single day I was like praying, I would literally on my knees, like praying, God, use me today, like break me, like, like it, whatever you would do so that they would know how much you love them. They would know that, 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 you know, there's a hope in Jesus. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what broke my heart, you know, was, was these people. And so throughout my whole time with them, just being with them, teaching them English, uh, and then hang out with them all day. It was a camp for them. So they actually stayed at the school. So morning time, taught them English. Afternoon, hung out. Or actually, no, afternoon was nap time <laughs> for all, all of them. That nighttime was like, hang out. We went to town together. You know, they took me around. We shopped together. I bought them stuff. You know, it's like, it's so fun. And we had like cultural events going on at night, like programs. Anyway, all that's to say is got to develop really close relationship with them to the point where by the time we were about to leave, I was so sad. Like, it literally was just scenes from the movie, from the movies, you know, like where I was leaving, we were all leaving in a bus and they went chasing after the bus. Everybody was in tears. I was in tears. You know, such a, a crazy time where when I came back home from that trip, I think God just blew me away with a big picture, a bigger picture of what he's doing in this world, a bigger picture of the people in this world that he has given me a heart to love. Um, that I don't know if I'll ever see them again and I want to see them in heaven forever, you know? Um, given that kind of a, a, a big, big, uh, was it a sense of reality? I would say spiritual reality, a uh, wake up call for me coming back home was a sense of like, what am I doing with the rest of my life? And this is, once again, I was about to be a junior. I was undeclared major, just recently declared psychology as my major just because I don't know, study about people, sure, whatever, um, and how they think. But that was the big question. In light of what I just experienced in China, in light of God's heart for them and my heart for them wanting to know Jesus, and if Jesus is really real and there's eternal perspective and there's heaven, how am I going to spend the rest of my life? Um, and I, I knew, I knew, like there was no other way and there, no, nothing I wanted to do than to be in the midst of what God was doing, however that looked like. Now for me, okay, it's different for other people, and I don't think this is the, the only path. Some people are going to be doctors, some people are going to be engineers, uh, computer science, you know, all this for me, I had no interest in anything. <laughs> like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was undeclared. I had to declare a major because I had to graduate with a major. Uh, but for me, because I was just like, I, I don't know. But I do know this. I do know that God is calling me, like literally calling me to ministry to pe his people for the rest of my life. Because I cannot live and die like without like my goal, it, you know, bringing as many people in heaven as possible with me kind of thing. Um, so with that, yeah, to answer your question, that changed my life. I came back. I was forever changed. That was when I answered God's call for me to go in full-time ministry in 1997. Uh, so much so that following year, I went back to China again. <laughs> Not the same place. This whole other story, but s similar story, basically, in a nutshell. Very affirming. Um, got to lead some people, like uh, students to Christ. Very affirming. And so I knew I wanted to go into ministry and that God's calling me there. Um, yeah. So from then on, life trajectory paved or, or, or changed or just, just discovered or known, you know, like God saying that this is the trajectory of your life. And ever since then to this day, how many years ago was that? 1997? I don't know my math, but that's a long time ago. That's 20 something years ago, right? 
I don't mm-hmm. know. You guys do math. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, to this day, I'm still on that path, right? Like, it's, it's been affirming ever since then, right? Become a youth pastor, become a pastor, camp, campus ministry, podcast with you guys right now. That's become my life goal and mission, you know? And it's been life-giving. It's been so good. So, yes, changed my life. <laughs> Dang, that's pretty dope. It is dope. And from your story, I'm wondering... How did the kids surprise you in a way that helped alter or surpass your expectations? And how did you see God working in you and in them? Hmm. Um, besides the fact that they had really weird English names. <laughs> uh, some of them were just really weird names. Uh, one of my students' name was Muskmelon. One of my students' name was Coffee. Anyway, aside from that, <laughs> um, I think... Uh, original question was like what what kind of things were like was i like surprised by or or like that was different can, can you rephrase that question yeah okay um oh or rephrase that or repeat yeah real quick yeah so the question was how did the kids surpass your expectations or surprise you and how did you see god working in you and in them yeah okay so 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 the two triplets are different and that the first one was the first one the second one i knew what, what i was like I knew those expectations now, whatever, and it was different. So the first time, what it really surprised me was how, I don't know, how innocent, quote unquote innocent, or how childlike I would say like these these students were. I mean, they were middle schoolers or high schoolers around that age, and they were just like, I don't know, they they were just so like, so so. I mean, they they would just run up to us. You know I mean like they run up to us? They want to get to know us. They just want to practice their English, and they just want to hang around you and. um I don't know. It was just so childlike. I mean, not childish, but childlike. And what I mean by that is like, there, there's no, like they're trying to hide anything. It's just, it's just, it was so in a sense, pure in a sense, like innocent. Um, and, and to me that broke my heart. I think it broke my heart in a sense of like, that was so touching at the same time, like, because they were just so like, like I saw in them, like what Jesus is talking about when he says, let the children come to me. Right. Like, like, like these are the children. Like these are, these are the people that God is very much, pursuing and wanting wanting to, to come to himself and knowing that like well i don't know if they, they don't know him and, and here i am to introduce jesus to them you know so that that broke my heart and that really um showed like god's yeah god god showed me his heart for them for sure in the, in the first trip and the second trip too so that was that second trip i knew that about them already but coming in um i think i was really surprised by how open they were to the faith so the first time I went to China, I was very careful. And that's good. You want to be careful when you go to China not to go on that street and, and proclaim Jesus because you're not supposed to. Second trip, we we're a little further from Beijing. <laughs> you know, it was my second trip too. I was like, you know, I really want you to share. And they tell you not to share certain things, especially the phone because it could be tapped, all that stuff. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I was dumb or maybe I was bold, but maybe both. I, um, I have already left them and we already went, we were saying goodbyes, crying, all that stuff. And I was so broken for them. And I was like, really wanted to know Jesus. And we were on the phone. Like I called them up when I was in a different place in the country. And I talked to them one by one. Like I called them each and I actually just shared the gospel. <laughs> I just, I just told them about Jesus. And, and four, I think four of my 12 students, that's a third of my class accepted Jesus over the phone. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like what happened? And so that really surprised me in that they were open. And the reason I, I still remember to this day, they say, yeah, you know, I asked them, like, how, how do you want Jesus now? How, how do you know he's real now? Because you told me before, like, before the trip or in the beginning that you didn't. He says, well, I, I, I know I believe now because I, I've seen it through you guys, you know, through 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 you guys as in our team. And I was like, wow, 
there's something real about our testimony as a team. You know, when Jesus says, people know that you're my disciples, how? By your love for each other. And I think we lived that out, you know, we were able to live that out that, that, that summer. God shows his power, man. So, so that was, that was a huge way. God really surprised me. Yeah. And what I find so fascinating about that is just the purpose of these mission trips, you know, that even though the living standards in these developing countries aren't the best, for example, like the cleanliness, the housing, the bathroom, the toiletries, all of that, it helps you focus on the people instead. And it makes you, it helps you show that, you know, the people are the most important thing about this. And it's just, this is just the difference between first world and third world countries is that for third world countries, when they see something new, they instantly gravitate towards it because it's something that they haven't seen before. It's hope in a sense, because it's something new, it's something fresh. And so in this mission context, it's you, man, you as Thomas, you're the hope for them because, Hey, they've never seen you before. Maybe he's going to do something different, you know? And so as those kids are just yearning for that knowledge, yearning for that information, that's what they would put their hope into because maybe it can help change their lives. And so for a lot of people in third world countries, all they really have is faith in God because that's all they can rely on because they don't have anything else. Mm -hmm. Whereas people here in first world countries, when we have the living standards, when we have things figured out, when we know we're living comfortable, then we think, why do we need to pursue this? You know, why do we need God? Because we have all the things we have. And I think that just shows the difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. When when you say that it's, it's the whole like less is more kind of thing. The more we have, the more, the stuff that we have owns us kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of barriers to faith and to to seeing the unseen here because we see a lot of things right in front of us and what we see here is very appealing and uh, grabs our attention. And that's what we put our security and focus and significance in here. You know, when you're stripped of all that stuff then you're then you're at a place where it's like, what is, what, what is my security and significance when I don't have those things? Aha, uh-huh. my security is in Christ, right? Like you have that opportunity. So... Not impossible. Obviously, we can have faith here, but in a sense, it is harder. You know, um, it is harder sometimes <laughs> in the first world, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and we know that your lifelong mission was to obviously share the gospel with as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't feel that God was pulling you to be a pastor, what other job do you think you would be doing instead? Good question. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I think about that. It's like, if I wasn't a pastor, what would I enjoy doing, right? Um, gosh, honestly, who knows at that point? Um, I thought about, I thought about acting, but I, I would think about it, but then I'll be like, that's not realistic. I mean, it's just so hard to, as as an Asian male, um, too, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I thought about it, but yeah, didn't pursue it obviously or anything. Um, you know, I, I don't know. See, especially back then, I didn't know my gifts. Or I didn't know how God was creating me. But if you were to ask me right now, let's say I wasn't going to be a pastor slash campus minister, all that stuff. What would I be doing? And, and I could tell you this. I think I would be interested in uh, continuing doing like trivia or like hosting trivia, being an MC somewhere. 
I think I would love to uh, be a cruise director one day, but that's not realistic because I can't just leave my family for months, you know, but maybe when I'm retired, I don't know. Uh, being a tour guide, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what else would I do? Just, just anything with, to do with energy producing. I love producing energy. I love hosting. I love announcing. Um, yeah, maybe a wedding MC, <laughs> but actually getting paid for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, those type of things. I, I, I love entertaining, so <laughs> something to do with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if those are the answers that, that, you're, that, that surprises you. <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, I, I would, you know what? When it comes to, like, the gospel, though, like, okay, to be realistic. Um, actually, those were realistic. But to put it in perspective, I would do all those things knowing who I am in Christ. In fact, believe it or not, before we moved up here, I had no idea I was going to be a campus minister actually we we knew we were going to leave our church i was going to step down as a as a past church pastor and just move forward to, to something but for me the idea of the unknown of like i could work at starbucks i could i could work at coffee shops i could do this and that and you know what i don't ever need a title anymore in order to be god's child like like on his mission and so i got to the point where i'm like i don't need a church pastor title i'm gonna i'm gonna outreach and tell people about jesus because the gospel has gripped me like, and I don't need a, I don't need to be hired as a pastor to do that. And that started, started freeing me going like, I could work at a coffee shop. I could do anything and share Christ through those means. And so I would say if I wasn't, yeah, if I was in campus ministry, ACF, though, I, I love being one. If I wasn't, I think I would just share Christ through other means, like whatever job, it, it, it wouldn't matter kind of thing. Especially now that Esther, my wife, is doing the full-time job, I have the freedom to be able to explore in that sense. And uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed the part where you mentioned that you didn't care what label you held because in the end, it was about how you would share the gospel. And I think that's something, again, for a lot of Asian Americans, that's hard to realize because when our parents expect us to be something and we don't want to be that. For example, if someone wanted to be a YouTuber, right? A lot of Asian people would initially look down upon that because that's just different from what they were used to from being in CS, from being a doctor, from being an engineer of some sort. And I think I really enjoy the fact that you didn't care whether you were a barista or, you know, just an employee of some sort, because for you, it was what do you enjoy and how do you honor God the best way? And I think for us, that's what we need to figure out and that's what's important to us you know and i think what matters is that when we find the freedom in that then it doesn't matter if other people accept that or not and for a lot of, and for me when i started to realize this it was for me to see that hey it doesn't matter what other people think what i'm doing as long as i know i'm doing i'm honoring god in the best way possible and for on the outside, their job is to embrace and accept that this is what God has created me to be. And yeah, I see that a lot in you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, God has been so good in providing for me and blessing me with a lot of pieces being put in place. Like this isn't just like just happened, you know, um, like God provided every step of the way. I, I would tell you if God didn't provide me with the wife I have, I wouldn't be here today. Like that's a, that's a fact. I would not be in Seattle, right? Like I would not have moved up in faith. 
uh, I, I would not have been able to do this, you know. Um, if God did not provide me with, you know, my parents who uh, are not are not against me going to ministry. In fact, they were for it. They're okay with it, you know, because a lot of Christian parents even, because, once again, because they're Asian first or Chinese first, then they're Christian. They'd be like, uh, yeah, but don't ever be a pastor because you won't make the money, right? Or, or, or this and that. No, my, my parents were totally for it. You know, when I told them that I was called to ministry. In fact, my, my dad then was called to ministry like around the same time and he, he became a pastor too, you know? So that's another piece that like, wow, you know, God has provided and, and given me so much to allow me to be on this path that, that clearly he called me on, right? Um, and it's, it's been such a, such a great ride. You know, it's been such a great journey and looking back and looking forward and, and right now it's like, God's been good. You know, there's a sense of like, God will provide, you know, um, there's that saying, it's like, God uh, doesn't call the equip, right? Or something, but God equips the call, right? And I, I really feel like God's, God's done that with me, you know? Um, so I praise, I praise him for that. When I think about the saying that you just said, for me, it's such a scary thought because, hey, he, when I think about the things that I enjoy doing and I don't enjoy doing, and I feel like God is calling me to do something that I don't particularly enjoy, then I start questioning myself like, hey, is, is this really God or am I misinterpreting something? And I think that's just a lot of inner conflict. But I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that God knows more than you. In fact, God had this whole journey planned for you. And for us, it's our job to simply trust and put our faith that in the person that knows all. Because we have to trust that what we see is not what we're supposed to be doing. And that God can, he oversees everything, right? So it just comes to that faith and that trust. So what, what, um, what really helps also with me and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've met up with you, Daniel, before and talked to you about that too, is what helps with me. And I think would help you too. And probably you, Doug too, is, uh, other people. I think you were all people, people here, <laughs> like, like, um, as in like, uh, just trusting like the voices of wise words, <laughs> like from, from, from people, whether it be people who know me really well. Yeah. Basically people who know me really well and people who are older too and all that stuff and trusting like their, their advice and hearing from them right like i throughout this whole journey i have talked to pastors my pastors right i talked to people around me my brothers and sisters in the acf my older brothers and sisters in the acf and like in this whole journey um if people were to tell me yeah thomas i don't know i would think twice about that i think you're uh you want to go to ministry because you want to blank 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 whatever that was a selfish reason then then those are the voices i need to trust um and, and hear because they know me right um, but they were very affirming with that. And because they were, I, I need to trust that too. It's like, yeah, they, they, they know me and they would like, a pastor would tell me like, yeah, I think God's called you to be a pastor. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you know, let, let's explore that, you know? And, um, yeah, uh, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, like, like this is why we have the body. This is why we have ACF. This is why we have our, our church and faith community. Um, I've learned that God speaks a lot to me through people and through people who know me very well. Right. And I think it's intentional for God to speak to us through a lot of other people, because in the end, that's who we're supposed to be rely on his own people. And I think that, in a sense, has helped me just understand how important community is and how important it is to say I need help because you have people around you 
to help you discern things, make sense of things, and to just help you stay sane in a sense or to help you get on track. And I think that has really just helped me understand that, hey, it's okay to rely on help because you're going to find the answers through those people. All right, so we obviously asked other fellow ACF members to throw in questions that they had about you. And so we've answered a couple of them throughout the podcast, but we want to take this time to answer the rest of those questions. So I'm just going to ask a question. You could just answer them however you want. Okay, so the first question is, what is your favorite non-worship song and non-worship artist? <laughs> oh, man, you should have given me these earlier so I could think through them and have a question right on the spot. But, but maybe, um, maybe, maybe this is part of, the, part of the question is whatever comes up in mind. Um, gosh, uh, currently? <laughs> or, uh, oh, gosh. Okay, well, I've been listening a lot to the Jonas Brothers currently, but uh, <laughs> so that's like current favorites. But uh, no, back when I was in college, uh, and, and I think for a long time, my favorite band, see, this is going to date me, man, as outdated and old, but have you guys heard of the band called U2? Yes. You have? Okay. Have. Doug? Probably not. I have not. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that is. I <laughs> don't know what that is. It's a band of four guys. That's <laughs> four old guys. Um, but yeah, no, I threw through college and stuff. And even afterwards, I was listening to them a lot. Really good music. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, got to go, go to one of their concerts. Anyway, so uh, one, one of their songs is called uh, With or Without You. That, it's, it's a good song. It, it's a song that, you know, like you want to play like for a girl. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so, so I like you two, you know, you know, back in the day. Now, now, as I'm getting older, for some reason, as I'm getting older, I'm starting listening to people who are younger. Okay, if you notice that. Back when I was younger, I was listening to people who were older. Um, so yeah, I love pop now. <laughs> I love listening to Taylor Swift and Jonas Brothers because they, they, they keep me happy. I don't know. <laughs> so you're saying non-Christian. So there you go. Yeah, Taylor Swift's a bot, man. All right, so what do you think is the best travel spot for a group of college students? Um, yeah, maybe I would just say California. I mean, if, if, if I'm talking to people from here that don't travel to, to, to California much, then yeah, go, go down to LA <laughs> or something. Uh, I mean, don't do that now. Uh, but I would say, yeah, LA is a good touristy spot with different things, um, good food, all these different experiences. Uh, Bay Area has, has a lot of good things. But honestly, for me, I wouldn't go there because I grew up there and I went to school in L.A., so I wouldn't go there. But if you're talking about budget, right, that's, that's, why, that's why that comes to mind. It's like, well, then, then explore California. If you've never experienced California, see why it's so expensive to live there, and you'll know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't frequented much places around here uh, or, you know, I haven't gone to many places around here to really uh, suggest anything, yeah, here. Um, but I would just say, hey, go visit California. Uh, in and out of Shake Shack. Oh, in and out. Oh no. <laughs> Shake Shack is like heck expensive, man. <laughs> Isn't it? Right. Like in and out, you get like burger. It's 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 familiar. It's the same thing on the. Okay, so Doug, you're you're not agreeing here. What's going on here? In In and Out is overrated. <laughs> That's it's all I'm gonna say. Overrated for it's a very reason. Overrated. <laughs> but honestly, like to compare In and Out and Shake Shack, they're they're a little different. Cause like you know price, and like quality too, right? They're they're very different, so it's yeah. really hard to compare the sure, two. Sure, sure, sure. 
But so I, I don't think the debate should be like in and out versus Shake Shack. But you mean like something yeah, else? That's true. It's probably not even on the same whatever. Uh, yeah. I I I would I will say I know I I never had Shake Shack to the point where I I even remember know what it tastes like. So that, that's why I say in and out because that's familiar to me and familiar so much that I miss it right. And you you mentioning that I want one right now. You know that, that sort of thing. Every time in California now we go to In and Out first off. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you recall a, what was one of the scariest moments of your life? Oh, scariest moment of my life. Um, yes, yes. Uh, okay, a couple things uh, come to mind. One is uh, when I was uh, asked to speak at a youth camp at, in South Africa. Okay, and so I. This wasn't even in South Africa. This is uh, in the United States uh, when this happened. Uh, uh, okay, so I, I've prepared all my messages and everything, and, and yeah, they're flying me out there, okay? So they're paying for my flight everything, and, and it's getting ready. Um, I think a week before uh, flying out there, I, I decided to just look at my passport, <laughs> and I realized it was expired. And so I I was, I was panicked. I was like, oh, what am I going to... Because, you know, I, I, <laughs> what, what am I going to do, you know? Um yeah, that was scary because I was like, I'm going to let everybody down if I can't go there. This is, oh my gosh, how, what am I going to do? So I totally panicked. That was really scary. But, you know, it all worked out. Um, you know, expired the thing, paid heavy premium for that, but had to do it um, and, and made it there. But had I not checked that, oh my gosh, to this day, I, I think back, I'm like, that's scary. That sucks. Okay, so there's that type of scary. Then there's the scary of, uh, when it comes down to it, if you were to ask any parent who, who, who you know, has kids right like obviously parents have kids um what's the scariest thing it probably has to do with your kids okay so uh there was this one time when my daughter um um she she was having um i guess she was sick and she was throwing up i don't things like that not only that but she was having seizures okay and this was when she was like two or younger one and a half i don't know one um so she can't really you know explain herself or anything so she just she would start like seizuring uh having seizures and, and at that time, I, I didn't know much about it. So I, you know, me and Esther, we panicked, man. Like we were, that was scary because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, all the, all the crazy thoughts come through your head. Like, am I going to lose my girl right now? Right? Like I was in tears. I was like, what am I going to do? You know, and, and it's just panic. Called 911, all that stuff. They got firefighters out here, you know, like to, for her. And they were, they were all chill and everything. Um, yeah. But it was, it's just so scary, right? Like to see your kid, like. You know, just like I can't do anything about it. Like I couldn't help her. Like she was shaking, and you're trying to like talk to her, but she couldn't hear you. Or like anyway, that was scary. I would say that's that's probably one of the scariest times of my life. Obviously, she's fine, <laughs> thank God. Um, but that was scary. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right, one more question. Yeah. So as current Thomas, what would you tell your college self? <gasps> oh, great questions, man. Um. I would tell myself, Thomas, I know you like her a lot, but she's not your wife. <laughs> mm, mm. Very, very sound advice. And, and, that would, and that would apply for every year, no matter who it was, right? Because I didn't meet Esther until after, the year after college. Okay, so that's one thing. Uh, um, 
depends how much time I have when it comes to what I could say to myself, right? If it's just one thing, I'll say that. But if it was like a time where I could sit down and talk to my past self, I would sit him down and I would tell him everything, a lot of stuff I shared with you guys about the gospel and how good it is and how I've gotten it all wrong. <laughs> Not all wrong to the point where it's heresy, but got it wrong in terms of emphasis on the, the love of God that, that pours out into us, you know? Because at back then, I was still very performance based when it comes to my spirituality i was still very much like you got to be a good christian by doing so and so and so um yeah and i think yeah going back to it a lot of it would i I think i would just tell myself don't worry about the girl you'll get the girl (laughs) Mm. (laughs) or or god will provide god will provide like it's gonna be good Mm -hmm. you like that you like that (laughs) yeah 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 Sure. All right, there it is. There it is. Thank you. Yes. Man, that was fun. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. So, yeah, uh, I got nothing much to say except the fact that like, share, subscribe. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. See you later. All right, take care, guys. <laughs>